Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we talk with actors, artists, and creators about their work, career, and current obsession. I'm your host, Patrick Holland, and today's guest is the former ballerina turned gamer and entrepreneur, Mari Takahashi. We discuss how being a professional ballet dancer set her up for her current career. She also opens up about her time working with the YouTube behemoth Smosh, including what it was like co-founding Smosh Games. We discuss her obsession with the PS4 game Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, and Mari was on the show Survivor, so yeah, we definitely had to talk about that. I should note that this interview was recorded at the end of July. But I want to start with the obligatory pandemic question and get that out of the way. But how are you and your family handling this time? You know, um, it's strange. Like everybody um, in 2020, it's, it's very strange times. But my family, we're all healthy. And that's all we can ask for at this point. Um, my mom is a ballet teacher. And so she immediately took everything online. And um, I, I was happy to be able to help her in doing that. We started doing uh, like YouTube live streams immediately. And then we moved things over to zoom after that. So I was able to kind of flex my muscles of knowing how to do live streaming and things like that. So I, I was happy to be able to contribute, um, early on. And you're like, are you helping with like, Hey, here's where you put the camera mom. Here's the hashtags you need, like stuff like that. Or not really. Actually, my mom is super savvy. She's in her seventies and she has <laughs> three Instagram accounts that she, uh, nor, you know, like always runs. It's one's for her dog, one's her personal and one's for her business, the ballet school. Um, and she's got a full streaming setup now. My dad is kind of like a techie. He used to be a, um, electrical engineer before he retired. So he's having so much fun, like getting all these gadgets. They have like multiple monitors. It, it's a, it's a whole ordeal, but it's kind of nice. Cause now they have an idea of the life that I live as well. Well, I, and I think, um, we'll talk a little bit more about your life, but it does seem like there's a circular, if I'm writing the book about your life, there's a big circular journey with your mom's influence, uh, as you were like two or three years old as a ballerina. And that the fact that you're coming back and helping her in this, this time seems, yeah, circular. Yeah. I think all of us have these really strange journeys, um, to get to what our, you know, ultimate job is and, and, and I think it's ever changing, but all the experiences that you have leading up to it are not in vain. You're, there's always going to be little roadmaps that bring you to where you are ultimately going. So it's, it, I think you're totally right. It is circular. And I think you've had a lot of those throughout your life, uh, including how you kind of kind of got to the place where how most of us know you um, online and stuff. But I'm wondering right now, um, backing to the pandemic for one second, aside from stuff like people are doing like sourdough starters and all this stuff, one of the things they're doing more of is playing games. And I'm wondering how that's kind of affected your life. Yeah, I think, you know, playing video games is my job, it, it, but I also definitely keep games to myself in the sense that I won't you know, make content around it. I won't stream it. Like this is like my game where I can just zone out, you know, have like that dumb gamer face with like the, the, um, relaxed jaw, you know, and just not have to really express myself in a, in a way that has to be entertaining or, uh, commentative or anything like that. And I just get to, I just get to play. 
No, I totally feel that. I, I part of my job at Cena is I review phones, and it's fun, it's challenging, it's awesome. But then there's this times so like I just don't want to. I don't want to touch a phone screen. I want to read a book. I want to play a video game. I want to do something that doesn't involve critiquing someone's product. You know. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely a fine balance, and you know, it's it's weird because I can't complain. Like every single step that I have taken getting to be in the online gaming, like digital industry, I, I can't complain. There's so many, so many nights where I don't sleep and, you know, I'm, I'm running on fumes, but I just am so grateful that I was able to transition into something like this. I, I never thought that I would do anything other than ballet. You know, my, my entire life was planned out from the time I was very, very young where I would dance until my knees wouldn't work anymore. And then I would teach ballet until the day I died, you know, like that was my life plan. And then everything got flipped, turned upside down when YouTube came into my life. And so, you know, like every, every step that I get to take in this realm, I'm just incredibly grateful. Well, in preparing to talk with you, I was the, I think the word flabbergasted by just all the things you've done, especially in the past, like I would say 10 or 12 years. And I'm curious when you meet someone who's not familiar with you, how do you present yourself? How do you describe what you do? Well, I say I was a professional ballerina for about a decade. And then I took a, a YouTube gig on the side thinking that it wouldn't turn into anything. And that was with a incredibly huge empire on the internet called Smosh. And they gave me an opportunity that I, I had no idea would thrust me into online digital entertainment. And so for the past 10 years now, I, I've been kind of in this realm and getting to not only play video games and create content, but co-founding um, a channel through Smosh and, you know, in general, just continuing to, to spread out and see what I can do here because there is no real roadmap with what you do in this digital realm. Like we're still writing the book. And so it's a very exciting thing. And for somebody who has kept with a classical curriculum her entire life and had very strict rules of like what ballet is and, you know, like the constructs were just so finite to be in this digital realm where it's just the wild west. And I don't know where we'll, we'll be in a year. I don't know where we're going in five years. It's very different for me. It's, you know, going from like, a, like classical dancing to improvised dancing. And, and I'm having a lot of fun being here. Is there things that you've learned during your time as a ballerina or, or that life or doing that livelihood that are able to apply to your life now? Oh, so much, so much. And, and I think that everyone will say this with their past jobs, right? Whether you are a barista who became an actor, you know, like I think there's, there's always things that you can implement that you learned in past experiences. And, you know, for, for dancing specifically, it's having that show must go on sort of mentality. Like I, I know that anything that I endure in this industry and anything that I go through with work and how tired I sometimes am and whatnot, nothing will be as crazy as having to have to perform with a broken toe and point shoes and keep a smile on my face. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I feel like I've, I've already gone through the worst of it with dancing and, and I just know what my limits are. And I've, I've, I've gone so far in that. And like, I, I, I just know that 
I can get through it. I'd say it almost sounds like it's like a martial art where you learn all the moves and how to perform them hundreds of thousands of times. So when you're in a fight, it's just coming out instinct-wise and stuff, right? Perhaps, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really good way of putting it. I, I, I think it's... You know, interesting when when people ask like ballet to video games, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. But there are so many things that you can apply. And and like I said, you know, I think there's there's a lot of um, different ways that all of the experiences that we've all had in our past can be applied to what we're doing right now. So it's just a matter of looking for those things and then acknowledging like, oh, yeah, you know what? I know how to do that because of that one time of working at the bar, you know? (laughs) (laughs) No, I totally relate to that, especially coming from theater. We've had a million odd jobs. I'm also wondering, let's talk a little bit about speed run on Quibi and Polygon. Yes. So what's, uh, what's the show and explain kind of the Quibi and Polygon sides to it. Sure. So the show has become, um, you know, since it's, uh, since the beginning of it, um, it's it's kind of morphed into a, a really wonderful platform to be able to not only interview folks in the gaming industry, but find really unique stories that revolve around gaming and expand beyond. I've been able to talk with folks that I may or may not have either known about in the gaming industry or would have not you know, had the opportunity to come in contact with. Uh, just this week, we interviewed um, an individual named Steven Spawn, who is a disabled gamer. He is the COO of Able Gamers, and he's really outspoken about how important it is for games to become more accessible to disabled players. I was able to also talk with another player named Ebonic Sims, who has been modding Sims accessories and hairstyles, <laughs> skin color, um, in order to better serve the black community. And you know, mm. it's it's these stories that you know I I feel like I'm able to check my own privilege and learn more about and say, gosh, I never knew that you know certain features in games either you know for 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 you know accessibility options in video games like having captions turned on having the option to make those captions bigger those are things that i am accessing not as a disabled person but i am still benefiting from it and it's something that i that i think that i should acknowledge and you know it's it's a wider conversation as well in in helping improve games and you know with the conversation with ebonics it's it's having the understanding that there's still struggles for not just the black community, but also people of color. And it's like, there's, there's still a lot of room to grow in the gaming industry and, and having these stories be told by those people who are experiencing it is so important. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of empathy that goes into uh, sharing those stories as well. I can almost picture like a metaphorical like bookshelf with each of those stories kind of adding up to a, a much bigger tale, of, which reflects the world, which I think we're constantly struggling, especially in the last few months. Uh, we see it in our politics and stuff like that with Black Lives Matter and the fight against police brutality. But also, I think just how important it is to everyday aspects that we do take for granted just because we're not other people. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and I and I think that, you know, like in any other generation, I don't know if this would have worked, but the fact that we can talk about these really wonderful deep conversations as well as the, the the compelling parts of games that may or may not make sense to somebody who doesn't play. Like, why would you spend so many hours every day of your life trying to get something that may or may not exist in a game? Right? Like there there's there's definitely things where where we can have 
really smart and awesome deep conversations about something that might seem really futile to other people. But there, there's a whole expanse to what we're talking about. And sometimes it's it's social matters and, and things that need to change in the industry. And sometimes it's just fun stuff. Um, talking about horror games and why that <laughs> appeals to people, why we like incredibly difficult games or, you know, like there, there's other there's other topics that I want to tap into like why do we feel a certain thing when we play video games like what happens to us metaphysically when we feel like we're coming up to an edge in a video game and why does it feel so real you know like i I think we're going to be able to get into some really cerebral talks on the show as well as keep things really fun and light as well Uh, it definitely sounds like that so how do you approach becoming an interviewer are you like are you the type you have all your questions written out or you trying to be more conversational how do you approach that uh, it's a, it's definitely a, a combination of the two and the production team with speed run the show. They're just so incredible. We have, um, good conversations beforehand to just figure out, you know, the mood and the feel of what the, the entire show w- would like to be. And so, yeah, it's a combination of that. And, and I think I, I am now more listening to podcasts that I used to listen to, in, in a different way. Right. So like I I've, I've listened to Tim Ferriss's podcast for a long time and, um, just his approach of like, he, he, he himself wasn't an interviewer in the beginning, but he's had to understand like when it's okay to just pause, when it's okay to just listen. Sometimes it's all right to just let somebody talk. And so, you know, I, I feel like for, for most of my YouTube and digital career, I've always been on this side where I'm doing all the talking and you're doing the listening. Um, but, but it's, it's, I think, um, remembering to have the empathy of what it is like on the flip side. And so I, I love it as an exercise. I'm, I'm learning so much. So there's Smosh, there's Smosh Games. You have your Twitch channel and your YouTube channels, but you're not really a part of Smosh anymore. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Um, Since February of this year, um, I haven't been a part of Smosh. And, you know, it's 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 hard to move away from a family that's been your family for so long. You know, Smosh gave me my my legs as far as being on the internet from the get-go. And Ian and Anthony back in 2010, like they they put so much trust in me in, in starting my own show on their channel. Um, and so I, I feel forever indebted to, to, to the brand and being able to have the opportunity to be even a, be a part of it. But this year has really been the year where I, I'm flying solo for the first time ever. And it's scary. And, but I think I'm like a late bloomer in that sense where I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm flapping my wings. I'm like an adult, an, an, an adult bird, but I'm like flying out of the nest for the first time. <laughs> so I'm, you know, kind of like bumbling around and I'm not, it's not perfect, but yeah, I am finding that I, I should trust myself more. And it's been incredibly, I guess, freeing in a way and also scary and all that, but I, I realized that there is support all around, and and I'm very grateful for that. 
No, and it's uh, interesting to think about that. Uh, that it's telling yourself to like trust, not telling yourself to trust it, but to believe in that trust because it's easy to go to like your parents telling you that, or, or a friend or a loved one telling you that, but then to actually go through with it. But what's been the biggest surprise of going out on your own? I, I guess what surprised me is that I, I have all the tools in my belt, like under my belt, like uh, you know, and and I think so much of not having the courage to go out on my own has. Is, is deeply rooted in ballet and like classical dancing and, and having classical roots where I'm like, well, I need the rule book and I need to know what the choreography is. And, you know, what, when I'm with a, a company like Smosh, like I have all those rule sets. Like I, I know when the videos are going to come out and I know the, the, you know, all the channels it's going to go through until um, a, a video goes live. And I think, being separated from it and understanding that I can trust that I know those things has been like a learning curve. But at the same time, I, I have to say I'm proud that I um, have built up enough knowledge and um, know how to continue on in this industry. And, and I'm excited to keep going. My, my husband is like my right hand man and he's he and, he and I were dating when um, I first started with Smosh. And so he's been through the entire journey with me. And we're, <laughs> we're, we're both very different people from then, you know, like he was a real estate agent and I was a dancer. And now we're both kind of in digital production. And so I think having having the, that emotional support system, as well as, you know, like the, the technical support system when when I need him to um, run production alongside me like I think having all of that together is what continues the business and and I'm really grateful for it that just sounds so wonderful um okay no it really does uh I mean it sounds like a very healthy relationship between you and your husband <laughs> such a, it's such an evolution you know like we didn't we didn't ever anticipate something like this and I think that's the difference between Gen, I guess I'm like generation two YouTuber, but like gen two YouTubers, like we were still in the boat of like, well, we're not doing this for work. We're not doing this as like an end goal or like to, to get blank or blank, right? It's not to make money. It's not to make it a career, but these days it is a very viable career. And I think young people go for it with that mindset. So you know, we started in a much more naive sort of state, and I think it's been an evolution there. And, and I personally like that evolution. I think it's very, very similar to knowing the days of no internet, then dial up, and then having <laughs> our, our Wi-Fi connections where we go now. So it, it's kind of understanding the roots of that. And I think that parallel of, of knowing what it used to be like versus what it is now it humbles you. And, and I'd much rather have gone through that journey than, than anything else. Okay, so the name of our podcast is called I'm So Obsessed. And I'm wondering, what are you currently obsessed with? I'm, I'm currently obsessed with the video game Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, it's wonderful, but for me being Japanese and and playing a game that I think has kept true to a lot of like the cultural portions of it, it makes me really happy. I think there, there's been so many, I don't I, like Japanese people, especially back then in the 13th century, the expression of not only respect, but 
love and um, empathy is very different from what we understand how to, how to express those things in the West. And so I'm really, really glad that they didn't feel like they had to adhere to like Western forms of showing those things like hugs or handshakes or, you know, being like overtly close in proximity to one another, because with Japanese culture, there's a lot more distance there. And even, even if you're speaking to somebody that you're very close with, depending on both gender, age, and um, what that relationship is, like you don't embrace somebody, um, not even when they're going through a lot of hurt. And, and of course, it depends on, uh, again, all those parameters. But I'm just really, really glad that they felt like they didn't have to force something in order to convey those emotions. And you can really see that, that there was no problem in conveying sadness or love or respect. Well, it's interesting you're talking about all that. It, there's like, it sounds like a very big genuineness. And I think, again, if I kind of look at things that seeing some of your videos and content, there's a genuineness that you express in a lot of that. And um, I was curious as I talked to you, how much of that is genuine and how much of that is like, this is me on the camera personality, kind of like stand-ups have a stand-up personality versus like their offstage personality. If we're running into you in a supermarket, is this kind of the energy I get from you with this optimism I get from you? The, the fact that I haven't had to do much uh, more or less like performative or like acting sort of like sketch comedy stuff like on, on Smosh, like I was more on, on the unscripted side, whether it was just vlogs or... Um, straight up gaming. Like I, I'm, I'm glad that I don't really have like a persona. I, I imagine for myself, it would get very tiring, but you know, I, I kind of ebb and flow between, I don't know, having, having very deep conversations while being able to have also stupid conversations. And so I, I'm glad that I've been able to bring that with the audience. Like I, I think that we can get really cerebral and then also throw in a fart joke you know it's like it's it's kind of both ends of the spectrum there so i have been able to keep this sort of just me being me i, I love it because i feel like that could probably be my business card <laughs> especially the uh having like you know these very like uh sophisticated conversations and then having a fart joke is totally me um yeah i mean i think that's like most adults right like and and i don't i don't know if in any other generation we've been able to openly like talk about it like that and i i love that our generation can what a what a generation we live in it's dope <laughs> What a generation. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I'm wondering now, though, since a lot of the stuff uh, with YouTube, obviously, it's owned by Google and Twitch is owned by Amazon. And my question is, do you have a relationship with them? Are you talking to people with them? Because at some point, we all we all hear about the YouTube algorithm and people finding your content. Are these things you think about, these things you're working with Google on or Amazon on? No, I, I think it comes down to there's there's still no real playbook. You know, I think we're all adjusting at, at the rate that we we all can adjust, and any any sort of inkling of a new sort of uh, understanding of what the algorithm is or what it would be in, in the coming months, we all try to adjust. You know, with YouTube, there was definitely an adjustment of. Um, watch time is more important than anything else. And so the length of a video 
was then extended in order to have more watch time across the board. So uh, for example, a 10 minute video, somebody might watch for a minute and a half, but a 30 minute video, they might put in five minutes as opposed to uh, like just a minute and a half to see what happens. And so that became uh, like an algorithm, not, not a hack, but something that people weighed as more important, but those things are ever changing. And so it's kind of a chase to figure out what, is best, but you know, I like, as I always say, like, I, I think it's important to expand off of just one, uh, platform and, and, um, not put all your eggs into one basket and continue, you know, continue figuring it out because man, we are all trying to figure it out. <laughs> You've been playing video games. You play a lot of games. What's the hardest game you've ever played? The hardest game I've ever played? You know, I'm not great with um, like super tryhardy games. I'm not great with platformers. Um, I, I think something that mixes the two is, you know, something like Super Meat Boy. But, you know, it's a hard, but I also acknowledge like, this isn't my sort of game, so I, I acknowledge that, like, I don't have to be good at this. I think the beauty with games right now is that there's something for everyone. And we, we have so much variety and we have so much freedom to say, oh, well, this type of game isn't for me, so I'll find another. You know, there, there's, there's so many games where it's just not even an actual game. It's just a simulation or, um, you know, it's just cinematic and, and you do that. So... I think I think something like Super Meat Boy. I think that's the hardest for me. My my brain just doesn't understand how to figure out how to do, and I don't have the patience either. Yeah, hard games aren't necessarily a judgment of how good of a player you are. I mean, like Zelda Breath of the Wild on the Switch was a hard game, but I also wanted to relish every moment of playing it through all of its challenges versus just finishing it fast. For sure, I've been playing Witcher Three for years. I, and, and I still haven't finished the expanse expansion pack for like on purpose. I don't, I don't want the story to end. It's, it's a game that I kind of like pick up and, and, and that's one of the games that I will never stream. I will never play it, you know, for an audience. That is my game. And, um, also, there's just too much sex to play it on stream, to be honest. <laughs> like, there's too that is the Witcher. That, that is the Witcher. Witcher. <laughs> it's, it's, part, it's part of the story. Um, but, you know, it's like I, I feel like uh, the, those are the wonderful sort of games that you can just dive into. And during quarantine, I feel like that's why Animal Crossing has had the amount of boom it has had, because it's this wonderful escape and there's no real consequences in the game, you know, like there's, there's no losing all of your equipment. There's no starting from zero. You know, if a, if a tarantula gets you, then you pass out and then you end up back in your house, like miraculously. So I think especially during these hard times for some of us, me, myself included, like I can't take a real hardcore, like, try hardy game i can't take dark souls right now i can't take Sekiro. like it's just too hard and my heart just can't 
take dying over and over and over again. I just need something that's chill and beautiful and in some ways a little easy, right? Like I just, I just mm-hmm. want to be able to feel like I can win in a game. So that those, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that these games exist. And there's also the super tryhardy ones for those who want that and everything else in between. I got to ask you, what was the name of your island in the Animal Crossing? Uh, oh, my island was called Any Six. Um, <laughs> I, I think it was called Any Six Isle, um, which was which is a gaming group that that I was formerly a part of, and so uh, yeah, I was like real hyped on it, and so for for a short time, it was uh, Any Six Isle. But my island got to a point where it just looks like a trash island now because I don't have <laughs> enough storage for everything. That is just I have piles of things organized organized piles but it's chaotic i have piles of things just strewn about on my island and i just haven't gotten back to it because it feels like a chore right now so so not quite like a hoarder island but it's a getting little bit there. of a hoarder island it's a little <laughs> bit of a hoarder island yeah I, but it's also like i don't want to get rid of stuff and you know i i just need marie kondo to come clean up my island Um, so I want to wrap up here. I do a thing called pick one. Basically, I give you a couple different choices and you pick one. It doesn't mean one is necessarily better than the other or that you're saying that, though you can if you want. And you're encouraged to talk things out. So can we play pick one? Sure, let's do it. All right. So the first one is being on Survivor or being a Broadway singing magician's assistant. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you did your research. Oh, man. I, those are both such weird, weird points in my life. Um, I'm going to pick Survivor. Although being a magician, magician, magician's assistant was maybe as surreal as being filmed on a remote island for 24-7. I, I'm, I'm only picking Survivor because it's more fresh. That's it. All right, the next one, YouTube or Twitch? Right now, Twitch. I'm, I'm mm. all in with Twitch right now. Um, I've only been streaming for three months, but I really, really see the appeal of it that I didn't see before. Because, you know, with YouTube, you have such, you, you have content that is, you know, the best parts of, of, of a shoot. It's edited down. It's, it's all the moments that's like cream of the crop and, and you, you leave everything else on the cutting room floor. But with Twitch, you just let it all, you know, be there and it just exists. And, and there's such a wonderful communication with your, with your community in real time. So I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it on Twitch. In honor of Quibi, as I say, um, do you watch video and landscape on your phone or do you watch vertical video? You know, it's so stupid. I watch it, everything on vertical. Like, really? Yeah, and it's really annoying to me when I, you know, hit like Netflix or something, and it makes you turn that way. Because even on like YouTube, I keep it, I keep it vertical. Twitch, I keep it vertical. I, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe I'm lazy. I'm not really sure. Well, yeah, I wonder that, but also like it's weird because I think some people like it. Obviously, uh, we're talking about like lots of people working film and TV on this podcast, so I think they're maybe used to more of like, oh, it's like a widescreen, you hold it that way. But I also think, yeah, I, when I'm on my own or if I'm on a train, which I look forward to being on a train at some point soon, hopefully that happens again. That yes. yeah, I'm holding my phone in vertical position, and that's just that's just more comfortable. That's yeah, just the way you know, the phone is. 
for some reason, I think for, for, for me, at least, like, I think I'm just like, I, I, I think that I'm over, like, like a multitasking. Like if I, if I have it in vertical, then I can pop into messages real quick. If I need to, I can get out of, you know, the application quickly to do something else. Maybe it's just like an attention thing because I don't feel locked in if I'm not in, in, um, horizontal. All right. Next one. Um, traveling, playing video games or rock climbing. I love all three of those things. Um, and, and they've all had very defining moments for me, like traveling, traveling is traveling. And I, I don't think I had ever like traveled not for work as an adult until I hit like close to 30. Like it was always only for work. So I'm, I'm just grateful that, that we can travel. Oh, not now, obviously, but like, you know, I'm just grateful that my, my husband and I have the ability to, to travel in our, in our time. Um, games, obviously love them. It's the thing that we grew up having in our lives, but it was not anything that you aspire to do as a job. Um, it was always like the thing you do after you're done with your chores and you've had dinner and you, you can play for a half hour. Like it was, it was, it had such a stigma, but I'm grateful that I'm in it. And then rock climbing, rock climbing is like the catalyst of, of like what changed my entire life. Like, we, okay, this will be a really long conversation if we get into it, but basically <laughs> rock climbing is a reason why I started to, to ice climb and really like get outside of my comfort zone and start tackling big mountains and really, really traveling. Like for the sake of it being quarantine time and we can't really, I can't rock climb or travel right now, but I can play video games. I'll say video games. <laughs> I think that's the correct answer. Again, no correct <laughs> answer, but all right. I have two more. Uh, this next one I think should be pretty fast. Creator, influencer, or star? Oh, creator. For okay. sure. For sure. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't have as an allergic reaction to the word influencer because I just feel like it's a buzzword that if anything, marketers needed to figure out. It's like there's celebrity <laughs> and then there's this other category of digital people. We don't know what it is, but but it's it's a it's like a little baby monster and we don't know what to call them. So they you know, they labeled us influencers. I, I like creator just because I, I think that um that has always been the basis of of anything that I do. I've been able to just be a, a an artist since my, my days of ballet. So yeah, creator. I want to thank Mari for chatting with me, and I want to thank you for listening. You can find Mari on Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch at Atomic Mari. If you enjoyed this interview, take a moment and subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. And if you really like this episode, please rate it. Until next time, take care.